Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Luke chapter 15, beginning at the first verse. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I would normally uh, pray at this point, but I can't think of uh, a better prayer than the one we've just been praying, so... uh... We've done it. Uh, You might like to turn now in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, page 1048, and turn back to the reading that we had. The other thing that you might find helpful is to dig out uh, this uh, little handout so that you can see where we're going uh, for the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Listen to these figures uh, published last month in the Church of England newspaper. I think they're alarming. Um, In the five years between 2008 and 2013, there has been a 19% decline in Sunday church attendance across the UK. 19%, one in five people less. A 14% decline on Easter attendance, so people don't even come at Easter anymore. A 29% decline for the Church of Scotland. It's even worse up there. And a 4.4% decline in attendance in the Church of England. Uh, One report said that these figures demonstrated that theologically liberal churches, that is uh, churches that really don't believe that the Bible is the word of God, theologically liberal churches are in meltdown. The same report warned of a demographic time bomb of of ageing congregations, suggesting that this alarming decline is likely to continue apace in the next decade or two. Now look, I know that statistics can be misleading, data can be read in a number of ways, but no matter how you interpret these numbers, they speak of a nation that is giving up on church. But our experience, and it's the same up and down the land, I was at a conference just a couple of years, uh, just a couple of weeks ago where this was the case, our experience is that faithful, Bible-believing, Christ-centred churches are growing. It's not easy to grow a church, I mean, God does it of course, but you know what I'm saying. Secularism and materialism have a grip on the hearts of the people of this nation, But many people are searching for something, for something more. The problem is when they turn up at church, so often they don't hear the gospel. I think of the words of Noel Edmonds, the TV presenter and host of Deal or No Deal. A few years back, Noel Edmonds said, church is the most boring experience on offer. I could, of course, ask him if he's ever watched Deal or No Deal, but... (laughs) 
but that would be a bit naughty. Uh, I, I think actually I'd rather agree with him. So often church is boring and irrelevant. Now, at the end of August, I hear the same thing again and again when I ask members of the church family here if they had a good summer. Every year I hear one person or another tell the same story. You tell me that when you were on holiday, you went to church only to find that there were very few in the congregation, that the Bible wasn't opened, that Jesus wasn't mentioned and the gospel wasn't proclaimed. Well, no wonder there aren't many there. The situation in this land is desperate. And that is why we have this threefold vision to plant churches and train leaders and grow forward. In short, as I've already said, we want to change the landscape of Sheffield and South Yorkshire by planting new, vibrant gospel churches, word-focused, Jesus-centred, God-honouring, spirit-filled, loving, evangelistic churches. We want to influence England by training and sending leaders to revitalise old churches and start new ones. We're committed to continuing to send people all over the world as mission partners to strengthen the indigenous church in other nations. And of course, we remain utterly committed to everyone in Fulwood and the surrounding area hearing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and then they themselves becoming established in Christ. As I've already outlined in the service, we've, we've seen some things happen in these last few years. That should encourage us to keep going and to believe that it is possible to achieve something quite significant in 20 years. But there is a long, long way to go. And we will only get there by praying much, working hard and giving sacrificially. And so, as I've already said, today we're asking you to own the vision and to do all you can to make it happen. So that under God, there might be a change in this part of England. Now this morning, as we turn to Luke chapter 15, I want us to see that all this comes... Not from the vicar's bright ideas, but from the heart of God. Turn with me to Luke 15. And the first point on the handout is godly to search for the lost. Look at verse 3. Jesus told this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? This is such a well-known parable. It's a terrific Sunday school story. Uh, terrific for an illustrated children's book like uh, this one. I don't know if you've seen these great stories by uh, Nick Butterworth and Mick Inkpen, who is the, uh, uh, the illustrator. Beautiful illustrations. Wonderful book. Uh, and in this book are various parables, including this parable, the parable of the lost sheep. This is a great story, but believe me, this is so much more than a cuddly Sunday school story about a cute little lost sheep. The parable tells us something deeply profound about God. And we really get that when we put it in its context. Look with me at verse 1. The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. You see, Jesus told this parable in response to Pharisees, religious people of the day, objecting to his spending time with tax collectors and sinners. So the shepherd in the parable is Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd seeking out lost sheep. Lost sheep like tax collectors and, and prostitutes. Jesus went to find Israel's low life. It's remarkable. Jesus, the eternal son of God, seeks the lost. People that the world called scum. 
Jesus left the splendor of heaven. He was rich beyond our wildest dreams in the throne room of heaven. And yet he became poor for our sakes. He hung out with the most undesirable people to win them back. Do you see, God is the supreme evangelist. God goes out to find. Now we see it right throughout the Bible. We read it arguably in the most famous verse in the entire Bible. Remember John 3.16, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what God is like. And so here is Jesus at the beginning of Luke chapter 15, God incarnate spending time with tax collectors and sinners. And when the Pharisees objected, he told them this parable to tell them what he was doing. So this parable, in this parable, Jesus is a shepherd. And if that is what God is like, and it is, then to be godly, to be like God, we too must go looking for the lost. Now, of course, there's more to godliness than seeking the lost, but there's certainly not less. That's what we're about on this Vision Setting Sunday, and I hope every Sunday, all week, all year round. Before we move on, notice that God goes looking for the lost. The shepherd in the parable went looking for them. Jesus went to the tax collectors and sinners. He didn't sit in the temple and wait for them to come to him. That's why we need to be planting churches. We can't expect people to come here. That's why we need to be training leaders, leaders who are equipped and able to go out, out from here to other churches and out into the community. And that's why we must continue to be going out to the people of Fullwood. As I know, many of you, most of you do brilliantly mixing with people in the community through our everyday activities living lives that are attractive and distinct and speaking naturally about the God who loves them enough to go out of his way to seek them. This parable then tells us it's godly to go looking for the lost. Secondly, it tells us that it's our danger not to go looking for the lost. Again, verses one and two are very instructive. You see verse two, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious people were complaining, muttering under their breath. They weren't happy with Jesus. What was he doing spending time with these people, tax collectors and sinners? And not just spending time with them. He, do you see their real complaint? He welcomes them and eats with them. Eating with them as spending unhurried, intimate time with the lowest of the low. If Jesus were to turn up today, we might think that he'd spend all his time with the bishop and visiting churches in the area. That he'd be with us on a Sunday. Of course he would. And then he'd come and look at all that we're doing here during the week. But no. He'd spend most of his time in the red light district. He'd be seeking out the rogue traders in the city of London. He'd go out to lunch with the businessmen and women whose business practices are dubious to say the least. Dare I say it, he'd be hanging out in the gay bars and sitting down with paedophiles. And if he did that, claiming to be the Messiah, we'd start to wonder if this one really was the Messiah that we followed. Because he didn't spend much time with us, religious people. See, that's what's going on in the Pharisee's mind here in verse 2. Now, look, I I know we don't like to think of ourselves here uh, as religious. I don't describe myself that way. But be sure that is how other people see us. And be sure that it's the religious people in the Bible that we are in most danger of becoming like. 
The Pharisees are the people that we're in danger of becoming like. There are only 73 more days to Christmas. Oh, that's got you woken up. Um, I love Christmas. Uh, Years ago, before I did this job, I used to do a bit of amateur dramatics, and we we put on a panto every year. Pantomime's great fun, isn't it? Especially the audience participation. It might not be your thing, but if you get into it, it's great fun. He's behind you. Oh, no, he's not. Yeah, well, this isn't panto, so I can't. Of course, there's the great moment when the hero appears on stage and everybody says, hooray, and on come the baddies. Boo. Panto is great, but it's no way to read the Bible. Jesus walks onto the pages, and in our minds we say, hooray, well, we should, he's the hero. But the problem is, when the Pharisees walk on, in our minds we say, boo, and that is very dangerous, because as we boo them, we dismiss them, and we don't think we're anything like them, because we're never able to relate to the baddies. But the truth is, it is the Pharisees that we are most likely to be like. And here's the thing, the Pharisees wouldn't be seen dead with tax collectors and sinners, verse 2. It is very easy to be Pharisees, or at least functional Pharisees. In principle, we have, may have no problem with spending time with sinners, but in practice we never do. We like spending time with Christians. That's a good thing, and we should spend time with Christians. But our danger is that we spend all our time with Christians, So involved with church activities that we have no time to spend with people who want nothing to do with God. Or maybe it's not that we spend all our time with Christian people, but we spend all our time with respectable people. Vision Sunday is a time for us to be challenged to go to the places that are hard. To plant churches in areas where there's no vibrant gospel witness. And often those are the socially tough areas of the city. And if we're going to plant churches in those areas, some of us have got to go. And we need to train leaders who are so committed to the gospel and so growing in Christ-likeness that they'll go too. This parable then tells us it's godly to go looking for the lost. Secondly, that it's our danger not to go looking for the lost. And thirdly, it's crucial that we do go looking for the lost. The simple story tells us that everyone matters to God. Again, verse four, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? In this parable, Jesus asks, if you have a flock of sheep and you lost one, wouldn't you go looking for it? Of course, the answer is yes, you would. Then why won't you go look out of your way looking for people who've gone astray? If sheep don't work for you, what about your pets? Have you noticed it when someone loses their cat? They search everywhere for it. They call for it, shake the food, you know, the sort of uh, the dry food that makes a noise in the, uh, in the box. Fluffy, fluffy. What a prize, Charlie, you look when you're doing that all around the neighbourhood. But you don't care what you look like. You want to find your cat? You ask the neighbours to check in their sheds. You print posters with pictures of the cat and put them on trees. And if you're under 30, you post a picture of your moggy on Facebook. Jesus says to religious people, if you'd go looking for a sheep or a cat, why won't you go looking for lost people? 
because you feel that you look like a Charlie? Are they not worth so much more? Of course they are. This parable says everyone, everyone matters to God. The shepherd leaves the 99 behind and goes looking for the one. Because you see, you are not just one in a crowd. You are one in a million. You matter to God. And so does everyone. Even the most undesirable, sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, convicts, individuals matter. The lost matter. And when we get that, it means, verse 4, leaving the 99 behind to go looking for the one. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, it means that even if Britain was 99% Christian, can you imagine it? Just imagine it. The churches in this land full. I mean, full of real, born-again Christian believers. What a thing that would be if that happened. And if that happened, this parable would be very important to us because it would tell us to go looking for the 1%. And we need to hear this because there's a huge danger when a church building is full to think we've done the job. Even if we couldn't fit any more into this building, we'd still need to go searching for more. That's why actually planting church is so good for us because we keep emptying the building. makes us think we've got to keep going out. We mustn't get complacent because by British standards, we're a large church. We haven't even scratched the surface of uh, this area. For goodness sake, we've already considered what dire straits Britain is in spiritually. See, here is why planting church is so helpful for us. Every time people go, it forces us to fill the spaces. And we need to because there are thousands of people in Fullwood, never mind across the city, who don't yet believe. Thousands who are lost, to use the language of the parable. Thousands who are drifting to a lost eternity and everyone matters. And because everyone matters, this means for us as individuals that if we have 99 Christian friends and one unbelieving friend, then we should spend some time with the one. At times, leaving the 99 behind. That's what happens in verse 4. And that'll mean rearranging my diary, creating space and time to spend with unbelievers. And it means going to them. You see, it's clear from this parable we must plant churches because we are, there are people all over this vast city who will never come to Fullwood. It's too far. They don't know of us. And if there's no Bible-believing church in their area, we need to go to them and start something. If this parable really gets under our skin, we will want to go. And if we can't go, and it's right that we don't all go... If we can't go but we have resources, we will want to give those resources to support support others to go. And when we do either go or support people who go and people become Christians, a wonderful thing will happen. It will bring us joy. See, that is the fourth thing that we see uh, in this parable, the fourth point on the handout. It brings us joy when the lost are found. Look at the rejoicing in this parable from verse 5. When he, the shepherd, finds the the lost sheep, it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. 
The shepherd rejoices. Friends and neighbours are rejoicing. The angels in heaven rejoice. I love, um, I love this story, as I've already told you, and um, there's a great moment in it. I've got some uh, pictures blown up here from it. There's a great moment in it when um, the shepherd finally finds the sheep and he puts uh, this lost sheep on his shoulders and uh, he goes back to all the other 99. And you probably can't see this, but they, all the other sheep are going, <laughs> and then the next, you turn the page over and they're having a party. Oh, it's a children's story. But it's a brilliant point. The angels in heaven throw a party when someone becomes a Christian. That's how much it matters to heaven. Oh, for here it's jelly and ice cream and party hats. I don't know what actually goes on. But everyone matters. And here's the thing for us. When we have the heart of God, we rejoice when someone becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. It brings us joy. Have you noticed that? Aren't you thrilled to see someone become a Christian? Isn't it the best thing when somebody comes up to you and says, I've just become a follower of the Lord Jesus? That's actually why I I encourage others to be about this task of looking for the lost because we benefit, we are filled with joy. And it's one of the reasons why I'm not embarrassed to encourage you to think about giving on this Vision Sunday because when we give sacrificially to this cause to seek the lost and we see lost people found, it brings us joy. We don't lose out when we give. We gain. And so on this Vision Sunday, see in this parable the heart of God. The God who goes to great lengths to seek the lost. The father who sent his son at great cost. The son who was willing to lose his life dying on a Roman cross. The God who did all that for you and for me. And as we think on that with this vision before us to plant churches and train leaders and grow forward. May we who know the love of God in our lives respond to this vision so that it become a reality. To buck the trend in this nation. To see hundreds and hundreds of people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ in these next 5, 10, 15 years. To establish churches in Sheffield that are growing as people are found by the good shepherd who loves them. To change the spiritual landscape here in Sheffield and South Yorkshire for the next generation. We could do that. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you so very much for this uh, little parable, which is a parable that is so dynamic. We pray that you'd help us to see in it your heart, heart for every single one who is lost. We pray as we look at the Lord Jesus who went uh, to the undesirable people of uh, this world to win them for, for yourself. We pray that as we look at him, we would be the same. We pray that as we think of him, uh, the one eternal son who came from heaven, leaving all the splendor of heaven uh, for this grubby world, we pray that you'd help us to become more and more like him, uh, ready to leave 
comfortable lives, to go to the grubby parts of this world for the sake of the lost. Please would you touch our hearts that are so often hard and selfish and make us selfless and thinking of others before ourselves. And we ask it through Christ our Lord. Amen.